Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. This is episode 153, and today we'll be chatting with Mubashar Iqbal, aka Mubs, the co-founder of Botlist and some of all their startups and side projects. Mubs is originally from Pakistan, but spent most of his early years living in England before then moving to the US. Mubs has created a successful career in technology, working in several different industries. He's also built several side projects over the last few years, winning Product Hunt Maker of the Year in 2016. Mubs joins us to share his story, how he started his career in tech, why he works on side projects, how he transitions his side projects into independent startups, what it's been like building Botlist, and more. So once again, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Feel free to tweet at us at hack to start Drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com, or share your feedback right on iTunes with a review. Good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, Mubs. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. Yeah, Frigo and I are super excited uh, to have you on the show and just learn more about all the side projects you've started and launched. But before we dive into that, we'd like to know a little bit more about yourself. So where are you from and what did you study? Where I'm from is pretty, kind of a long story, but I guess the short version is I was born in Pakistan, grew up in England. So I lived in England for about 18 years. I moved to the US now, it's probably been about 20 years ago now. Um, and I moved around a little bit in the US. I lived in San Francisco for a while, lived in New York a while. Um, and now kind of for the last 12 or 14 years now, I've lived in upstate New York. That's really cool. So, so through all the travel, how did your passion for entrepreneurship and technology really develop? Um, I think it kind of started with my father, actually, because uh, even when I was growing up, when we moved um, over to England, my father never really had a job for working for somebody else. He kind of he went through school in England as well. And once once we moved to England, once the once the whole family moved up to England, we kind of started our own. Uh, we kind of had what I guess what you call over here is more kind of like a convenience store over in England. <laughs> and so we kind of started with one and through uncles and things like that, we actually ended up having three convenience stores. So I guess my family is, has kind of always been that work for yourself, uh, you know, kind of work hard attitude. Uh, and I think that's where it started. That's really cool. So from there, like, how did your career start and, and what were some of your first jobs? Yeah, it's funny. I never really knew what I wanted to do. Uh, like, I, I, you know, it wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, you know, I'm going to I wasn't, you know, I woke up when I was young and said, I'm going to I'm gonna write software for a living because I don't think I knew what that was <laughs> sort of at the time. But computers had kind of always been around the house. Um, so, you know, even when I was young, because I was the youngest of four children, you know, a lot of my older siblings, you know, had computers mostly just to play video games on. And so, you know, I kind of put my hands on them when it wasn't being used. And rather than just playing games, I would just start to kind of hack around on them and kind of see what they could do outside of just playing video games game so that's I think that's kind of where I kind of started to kind of write software and it just kind of evolved out of there I kind of just learned from there I kind of picked up more programming language and more skills when it came to technology and then I was lucky enough I mean I went to school for computer science as well but I kind of knew most of the stuff I was supposed to learn in college I kind of learned that in kind of high school and so I just as I went through college in university I was just kind of learning more new tech all the time and kind of learning on my own not really being taught and I think that really helped me when I went out into the workforce because I was just kind of used to kind of learning stuff 
on on my own. So as new technology came around, I kind of just I kind of had that urge to kind of learn it, and I had the skills to be able to learn it as well. And so yeah, so since I graduated college in uh, in 1996, so I've been doing this a while. Uh, I've kind of been in software development online uh, on the web, working on the internet and websites and web applications and, and things like that. That's really cool. What's been, if it's possible to say, but like what's your favorite innovation or language or technology that you've picked up over the years out of all of them? What was sort of the thing that was that was most interesting to you, I guess? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing that just appealed to me in general about technology is that it kind of applies to everything. And so it wasn't necessarily one tool or one technique that really appealed to me. It was the fact that, you know, over the years I've worked in TV, sports companies, I worked for news companies. So, you know, I can apply technology to kind of part of anything that's out there in the world really because you need technology now to kind of do anything it's it seems like it's not like i just work in one kind of industry now even though i do tech i can i can work in kind of all sorts of different kinds of industries as well so i think that was the thing that really in the end i think that was the thing that really pulled me into being in tech and and wanting to kind of work with software as well is that is that i could apply that to just about anything Absolutely. It's really cool. And so today, one of the things that you got going on is you're the co-founder of Botlist. And Seth has actually been on the show before. And we had a chance to chat with him a little bit about it a few months back. But can you tell us, I guess, from your perspective, what is Botlist all about? And what motivated you to start that? Yeah, I mean, Botlist was kind of a combination of, of a trend that we saw and uh, you know, just kind of seeing these messenger platforms start to appear more, you know, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and kind of things. And it turned out that as they opened those up to kind of automation, I guess you could call it, there was this increasing trend for people to want to move and to and, and to kind of build these things where they could automate customer service and people asking questions and, and kind of machines answering them. But there really wasn't a good place to go find these new chat bots out there. So we built Botlist as a kind of a directory. I think we actually call it the sort of app store for, for chatbots because we figured people would understand that uh, more coming from the iOS world and kind of Android uh, kind of Google play store but yeah so chatbots are kind of a new trend still i think they're still kind of in its, in its kind of early years i think and hopefully botlist is well positioned to kind of help people find chatbots that they might like to interact with yeah absolutely i think you guys have done a really really cool job of you know outlining it and making it super easy for people to find these new bots if if they're interested in exploring because like like you said i think it's early years right and a lot of people still don't know exactly where where bots you know live or where they can use them and i think facebook messenger has obviously done a really good job of showing us that that bots exist for their platform but i think you know more and more you'll start to see other platforms also pop up where people aren't sure you know that yet that bots exist for them yeah it's kind of i mean it's interesting that f8 just happened f8 is the facebook developer conference that happens once a year and facebook just announced that they were going to actually open kind of a directory of their own uh which is kind of amazing to think that you know they've got something like twenty thousand chatbots on their platform but you kind of just need to right now at least you just kind of need to know what what they are and kind of where, where they exist to be able to interact with them because they're kind of associated with facebook pages and, and kind of things like that but you know over the next couple of months facebook will, will will be adding its own store it's kind of our own directory to find them but but we figured with botlist it was you know it would still be good to have kind of an independent place where you can get reviews of chatbots and and find chatbots across all of the different 
platforms that exist now and the ones that will uh, appear over the next years as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned that a little bit, I guess, in terms of customer service bots and some like general question bots, but where do you think, I guess, bots are going to continue to evolve and what has you so excited about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like just like the next wave of evolution, you know, just like you would, just like we went through the industrial revolution where, you know, people stopped using horses and things like that. And eventually, we, you know, we kind of got the computer revolution as well. People stopped writing things out by hand and started to kind of use computers. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see chatbots and, and kind of sort of AI, kind of as it's called, machine learning, all that kind of stuff as the next wave of evolution that I think the sort of industry will, will kind of have to kind of figure its way through. So I think that's why I'm kind of interested in it because I think it is that next wave of evolution, you know, almost approaching that kind of Skynet approach that, that we kind of, you know, that we're all kind of scared of from Terminator. But having that level of kind of um, sophistication, I think, is, is really what's interesting. That The fact that you might be talking to something on Facebook Messenger and you don't actually know if it's a person that you're talking to or if it's just like some kind of machine, I think is really, really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. So Botlist has, you know, obviously been growing like crazy. What's it been like, I guess, working on it and growing it with Seth over the last year or so? It was kind of an insane launch. I mean, we've been alive for about a year and two months now, and it's been kind of crazy, especially since we've been doing it kind of in our spare time. <laughs> it's not like a full-time thing at this point, although Seth did just start working on it full-time. So it's going to be exciting to see what we can do over the next few months with having a lot more time to actually spend on it. So, But it, it, it really was an amazing experience to see. I mean, I think we timed it just right in terms of we, we launched at the F8 in 2016 uh, when when Facebook really announced that, that, that they were going to make a big push with chatbots as well. And, and so there was a lot of interest at, sort of at the time and we got a lot of press coverage when we launched it. And that's kind of helped us build the momentum that we kind of needed to solidify our place as being like the place to kind of find chatbots and, and kind of things like that. And that's really helped us from, it's. I think this has become like the first place that people think of now when they want to find a new chatbot. And that, so that's, you know, when, when when you can kind of lock down being the first place that people think of, it makes it very hard for other people to kind of step in. But it also means that there's a lot of interest from people who are creating bots to be on the platform to make sure that people find all the stuff that they're working on as well. Um, and I think probably over the next six months, I think our, our biggest focus will be a bit more on education as well to kind of help people outside of the tech industry understand what our chatbot and how they might interact with them and how they might, you know, what kinds of things would be useful for them. And then people inside of tech too is, you know, because it is a new way for people to kind of think about interacting with their customers and with their fans, kind of educating everybody else as well to kind of help them see how they might be able to use this new technology as well absolutely super cool and congrats to to you and and seth for you know having one of you two go full-time i guess that's a pretty huge achievement it is yeah we're i mean it was, it was one of those hard things where it's like well are we at the point where we think gonna be is pulling enough enough uh revenue to be able to support one of us at least and sustainably as well you know it's not just kind of one month sort of aberration where you get a lot of revenue but i think we're pretty confident with where we're at and where we're headed to kind of make that plunge as well yeah absolutely and so i guess speaking of you know where you're headed what is next for botless what do you guys uh, any any sneak peeks or things we should stay tuned for 
Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we're really focusing on, like I said, is the sort of education thing, but also just helping the sort of industry itself improve. So one of the things we're working on is a paid-up program of sorts because we have a lot of early adopters on the platform now. We're, we're working on ways to connect bot makers with those early adopters that we have on the website so that if somebody is working on a new chatbot, and they want to get some early feedback, uh, even prior to launching the chatbot itself. We're going to try and facilitate that, I think. That's something pretty exciting that we're poking on. So you've built and launched a ton of side projects over the last year or so, winning Product Hunt Maker of the Year in 2016. So why do you build so many things, and what is it about side projects that you love so much? Uh, it's been a lot of hard work, <laughs> but I, I, mean, I, I think I, I, I do it because I just like to... I like to use new technology. I like to make new things. But I also like to help people make new things and things that they're really passionate about as well. So a lot of the side projects I've done have been working with other people who don't necessarily have the technology skills, uh, but they're very passionate about a particular idea. So it's fun to kind of work with those guys and kind of make their ideas become real. And yeah, and, and for me, like I said, I mean, I, I like to make things, so it's kind of fun. It, it works out for me because I can kind of hand off the side projects to because I think that's I think uh, that's a problem that a lot of people face when they do have a lot of side projects. It's not the, it's not necessarily um, working on the side project itself once you, once you have it to, to kind of launch, but then it's the maintenance and and the sort of upkeep of that thing and talking to customers and to growing the sort of application itself once you once you've actually launched it. But working with other people that kind of takes a lot of that off me and it's kind of up to them to kind of do the day to day of kind of running the website and, and the application itself. Um, and like I said, I get I, I, I get the excitement of having launched something and they get their application out there in in the hands of users and, and can start to get feedback and potential customers and potential investment as well. How do you decide what projects to work on and how do you shift focus between projects to ensure that they'll still move forward and hit key milestones? Yeah. And so, I mean, as I said, I, I kind of, I've been trying to focus more on working with other people to kind of you know build their ideas and, and, and kind of move things along like that. So I'm kind of letting them kind of figure out what the what the schedules are. Obviously, you know, I, I let them know what my availability is, but then, you know, letting them set the targets and things like that. And then, you know, I come back in and say, okay, look, if you want to add these features, if you want to do these things, it's going to take, you know, sort of X amount of time, you know, or et cetera. But then that allows me to kind of have that plan of, okay, I'm going to work on this project because I know I need to implement these features. And then when I need to switch out, I, I kind of know what everybody has in mind. So that really helps me kind of plan ahead, but it also helps me keep sort of energized as well because I'm not doing the same thing every day. I'm kind of switching around and kind of helping one person one day and helping somebody else another day. Or, you know, maybe it's not every day, but maybe, you know, one, one week I'm focusing on one project one and then sort of next week I'm, I'm kind of switching and that helps me keep, it really helps me keep interested as well because I do like to work on different kinds of things. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that came from working in the agency world for a while. We have a bunch of different clients and you do a bunch of different projects. So you know, now that I'm doing that, I'm kind of doing that with side projects as well, where I've got a whole bunch of different projects on the go, but they're all in different industries, all doing slightly different things as well. Yeah, no, for sure. So what is your approach or process for transitioning the side project to more of a full-time business? Yeah, that's actually been something that, you know, obviously with, with Seth moving on partly full time, that was something that really started to, to kind of think about. 
yeah, we didn't re really have a focus on necessarily building things purely for the fact that we wanted them to turn into businesses. Because, you know, because some side projects are just that. They're a side project, they're fun, and you kind of enjoy working on them, but you don't necessarily think that they're going to become a full-time thing. Um, but, yeah, but sometimes you kind of hit on something and it sticks, and you're like, well, okay, this is something that could turn into, into a, a full-time thing. And I think at that point, you just kind of have to try to figure out like you know what is you kind of have to treat it like a real startup at that point and what is the business model that makes sense what's the what's the what's the amount of effort that it's going to take to to get from where you've launched a side project and turn it into something that, that you could work on full time um and it just i mean it's just you know it's that boring stuff that people went to business school for that whole sort of mba approach that kind of adds you know to just just to try to work out like it's a side project it's fun and exciting but to turn it into something you can work on full time what's the different things that you have to do to kind of take it from there to where it will be able to grow and to and to enough income to support somebody working on it all time you know for sure it must always be an exciting time where you're able to transition that side project that you've been working on for so long and into something that it does bring enough income to bring someone on full time and and it's really i'm really looking forward with botless to seeing what now seth is going to be able to do and you know just bring botless to the next level but in your case do you ever feel like you just have too many projects going on on the side occasionally yeah, i guess yeah i mean so everybody you know when when everybody wants your attention sort of at the same time it, it can feel like okay what was i thinking why did i start so many projects sort of at the same time you know thankfully that doesn't happen too often uh because i mean the way that as i said the way that i've been kind of working is because i'm not like the only one working on the side projects it's not like i have to do everything on every project sort of all the time so i think that keeps me less stressed because i, I don't have to worry about all the projects all the time so it's it's been pretty easy i think to kind of maintain them uh and because i you know, because i do like I like what I do too. I think it, it makes it a lot easier to to kind of make the time to work on it too. Because I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes you kind of sit down having coded and and you know playing software for eight hours or nine hours you know, during the workday, and then to have to sit down in the evenings and say, okay, now I'm going to work on the side projects. That can be that can be not so much fun for some people, but for me, because I really do like what I do, it's not something I have to struggle with at all. You know, for sure, like having that opportunity to kind of shift gears and work on something maybe in a different space or or a different, you know, going from programming to maybe the business marketing side of things. It's always, you know, refreshing and, and it's cool that you're able to do that type of stuff with side projects. Yeah. And I think that I think that's the other thing is, is that I'm not I'm not always just doing the same thing. Like you said, there's there's different technologies that you can use that they, that maybe you don't get to use in the day job. You know, at, at work, I usually, you know, I'm. I'm usually focused on the back end of kind of websites and applications. And when I'm doing side projects, I get to kind of touch all different parts of it as well. So even though you're still doing websites and, and kind of applications, the, the, the sort of aspects of it that you get to experience change a lot. You know, for sure. So again, speaking of side projects or just spaces in general, have you been meaning to explore uh, a certain area that you haven't yet? And, and if not, is there a space that you're really excited about and want to dive into the near future? It's been kind of interesting just to be in the chatbot space for a while. I think, you know, it's kind of a new, it's still kind of new, as we said uh, earlier, but I think the sort of next space seems to be VR seems to be the next kind of up and coming space, I think. 
getting to the point where the technology is caught up with the idea of what everybody wanted virtual reality to be. So I think over the next couple of years, I think that is probably going to be the next. And, and you know, in, in combination with not necessarily chatbots, but that whole machine learning and AI and, and that kind of stuff. If you can, if you can put those two together, virtual reality and the whole AI space, I think that could be a really interesting space to explore as well. But I don't, I'm not sure if I'm quite there to explore it yet. But I think uh, that probably will be the next thing I do. I do spend spend some time exploring. I'm excited for uh, VR to kind of go to the next level too, and and see how you know more and more people start to be able to use it in their projects as it becomes more accessible and, and easy to, to use. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think I, I think that's part of the sort of appeal with kind of being on the cutting edge of these things is that the, the sort of op- options are kind of open to you. You know, people haven't figured it out yet, so you kind of have to figure it out yourself. But to have that option to actually try all those things, I think is is what really appeals to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, given given the time that you spend uh, on BotList and involved in that and maybe some other projects, are there any cool, notable apps, tools or, or frameworks or anything that, you know, that you've downloaded that, that has kind of kept your attention recently? It's funny. I tell people with a lot of the stuff when it comes to side projects, um, I mean, You've got to understand why you want to build a side project, but if you, but if you're building a, a side project with the hope or the or the expectation that it's going to become a side business or something that you can work on full time someday, it's typically best just to stick with the stuff that you already own and stuff that you're comfortable with. And so for kind of things like that, for me over the last couple of years, most of my uh, uh, most of my side projects I built with a stack that I know that I'm really comfortable with. So Paravel, PHP, use the Forge. Um, platform that's Taylor Otwell who actually wrote Aravel at least to help manage all the servers and uh, all, all that kind of stuff to kind of manage your hosting make make that really easy so just sticking with that kind of stuff that that, that you know that's going to be really it's going to it's going to help you focus on building the features that your potential customers are interested in and not just learning a new hot technology uh, which can be fun and interesting but isn't necessarily going to get you to the point where you can start to work on something full time. Yeah, no, for sure. Do you have any recommendations on just some great content that you've come across lately? Yeah, well, I tweet a lot actually. So, I mean, people want to follow me on Twitter. I do I do tend to tweet a lot of links that, you know, have to do with side projects and, you know, bootstrapping your you know your your startup or, or or your side project things like that so i think yeah i don't know if there's one that's that jumps to mind right now but things but yeah but there's but there's lots of people who are in the space too who are doing a lot of blogging about that stuff too and yeah and it's like there there's new content coming out all the time actually and, and so yeah that's probably the best thing is if people are interested in those kind of things is, is to follow me on twitter and and you'll see that you know sort of every few Actually, it seems like every day there's some really good articles from even people like Peter Levels and people like that who are who are bootstrapping, who aren't going the investment VC route, but because they're bootstrapping, they're they're they're, they're talking about more than just you know the sort of financial aspects. They're actually talking about this is what I did to improve my website. This is this is what I did to improve my sales funnel. It's kind of all aspects of how you take a side project and kind of. Spend it up and then to try and accelerate it so that you can work on it full time as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. We'll definitely uh, link to your your Twitter in in the episode uh, notes so people can follow you and and check out all the great stuff. Uh, And, you know, go check out people like Peter and, and, and stuff like that. Absolutely. 
So you've talked a lot about side projects, but do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by and you think other people should know about, especially entrepreneurs who may be working on, you know, more than one thing at, at a time? I think the, the main thing I try and focus on is that I try not to think about this as just another job when it comes to side projects, right? Like you, you've got to pick something that you're really passionate about and that you're, and that you're really interested in. Because if you are going to work on it in evenings and weekends and things like that to get things started, uh, if it's just another project, you're going to find some other excuse to not work on it, you're going to find something to watch on TV or or find a movie to watch instead. So I think I think that that to me has always been the most important thing is if you're serious about building something on the side that you think that you're going to want to work on full time at some point, you know, make sure that it's something in in an industry or even with a technology or something like that that you're really interested in. If it's yeah, if it's a pure technology startup, then yeah, absolutely, you're gonna have to pick some tech that you're interested in. But if it's if it's just yeah, if you if you want to build a website web application, make sure it's in in an industry with people who you're targeting as customers that you really want to talk to every day, that you want to interact with every day. Because to be able to be a success, I think you kind of need that passion, not just to build the website, but to actually talk to the people. Who are your customers and things like that? You know, finally, I mean, I think one one of the mottos that you know I do I do live by. You know, I've never burnt a bridge uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, I I try and be civil and respectful to everybody. That doesn't mean I always agree with everybody, <laughs> but but to take the time to uh, to kind of understand where other people are coming from, I think really helps everybody become better people and better entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't think of a better way to, to end the episode than, than on that note. Uh, Mubs, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today, man. It was awesome to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. It was my pleasure to be here. Well, that's another episode of Hack to Start. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well as on the web at hacktostart.com. We honestly couldn't do this show without your awesome support. So if you like what you heard, feel free to share it on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and until next week.